My name is Bill Crockett, and welcome to the Biblical Counseling Series entitled, Let's Talk Marriage, a biblical look at marriage and what it involves before we do it. God bless you as you study together. Well, it's time for our next session, session number nine, and in this session, we're going to talk about money. The title of the session is, Why Are We Broke? The statement under this, on page 34 of your study guide, says this, I thought we had more in the bank. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, or if you have ever uh, shared a bank account with someone, or, or if you the two of you have a bank account together now, I don't know, but... Um, a lack of communication about money is one of the, the greatest causes of money issues in a marriage. Um, you have to communicate. You have to know how much is coming in, how much is going out, what it's going out for. Um, there needs to be some management to your money. So what we're going to do, this is, first of all, not intended to be an extensive study on finances in the Bible, but it's just some basics about marriage and money. And so we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 6, and I want to read verses 25 through 34, because I believe that it sums up for us what God says about money and material things in life. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more value than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know that anybody could sum it up any better than what Jesus did in this passage of Scripture in Matthew 6 when he said, don't worry about the needs of your life. God knows that you have those needs, and he's going to take care of your needs. Let's, as we get into this study about money, um, let, let's go through three things. The basics, planning is necessary, and how to work your plan. So let's talk about some basics. Number one, acknowledge that everything comes from God. And in this passage of Scripture in Matthew 6, that's what Jesus said. 
God knows what you have need of, and He will provide what you need, just like He does the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. He will provide for you. The greatest principle that the two of you could ever grasp when it comes to your money and material things is that everything that you have ultimately is given to you by God. He allows you to have it. He blesses you with it. He causes you to um, to do well in your job, or He causes you to get a promotion, or a raise, or an advancement, or He makes those deals go through that bring you extra commission. Whatever it might be, ultimately God is the one in control of what we have and don't have. So acknowledge that everything comes from God. Number two, put God first, not material things. Matthew 6.33 has been my life verse since I was very young. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. You know, if you two will learn to put God first in your life, and if God wants you to live in a mansion, great, live in a mansion. If God wants you to live in a single wide trailer while you're working and saving your money, then be content to live with whatever God gives you. If God wants you to drive a Ferrari, drive a Ferrari. If God wants you to drive an old beat-up Ford, then drive an old beat-up Ford. But ultimately, put God first. Do not compromise your relationship with God for material things. And then basic number three, and this may be the biggest one. Learn contentment. And I I say learn contentment because that's what God says. Contentment is not something we're born with. Contentment is something we have to learn. Let me read you some verses. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing... We will be content with that. Philippians 4, 11, 12, and 13. Listen to what Paul says. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever my circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned. It's the second time he said that. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength, or through Christ who gives me strength. You know, we often use Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but Paul used it in the context of learning to be content with what he had. You too can also learn to be content materially with whatever you have, If you put Christ first and allow Him to be all that you need, He can help you to be content. But I'm going to tell you, whenever we get so caught up in wanting to have material things and wanting to keep up with the Joneses, the Bible teaches us that it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Not money. It's the love of it. The desire. It's when that desire becomes more important in our life than our desire for God that we begin to go down a bad path and get into all kinds of problems. So three basics. Acknowledge everything comes from God. Put God first, not material things, and learn contentment. Now number two, planning is necessary. 
Listen to this verse, Proverbs 27 and verse 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds. Back in Bible times, the flocks and the herds, those were used as a medium of exchange. If they wanted to buy something, they may trade uh, three sheep for whatever it was they were, were purchasing. So basically, what the Bible is saying here is, you need to know the condition of your flocks. You need to understand your financial condition. Um, You can't manage it if you don't understand it. Let me give you three very practical principles about planning with your money. Number one, have a written budget. Write down how much comes in, write down where it's going to go, and assign your money. Every dime that you make ought to have an assignment even if one of the assignments is a savings account but it needs to be assigned to something number two communicate about the budget the two of you need to talk about it all the time both of you need to know what's coming in and what's going out let me tell you where a lot of the problems come it's when you got one person who usually manages the money and the other one doesn't want to know anything about it And so whenever the one managing the money tells the one who doesn't want to know anything about it, you can't have this money to buy this, then they get mad. Well, the reason they get upset is because they don't understand. They've never learned. They've never taken the time to learn and communicate with their spouse about their financial condition. Both of you have got to know the condition of your flocks. You've got to know your financial condition so that together you can do the right thing. And then number three, stick to your budget. Doesn't do any good to have one if you don't stick to it. Have a written budget, communicate about it, and then stick to it. And then finally, number three, work your plan. In James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. What James is talking about here is the basic difference between a need and a want. The Bible says in Matthew 6, the verses we read earlier, that God knows what we need. And Paul said he had learned to be content. Having the basic needs of life is what we ought to be content with, because that's what we need. Now there's a difference in a need and a want. And one of the things the two of you are going to have to do is you're going to have to learn how to discern the difference between a need and a want. So let me help you. There are four basic needs of the human life. And in your marriage, these four things you're going to have to have. By the way, if you've never been through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, I would highly recommend that you go through that. He talks about these four basic needs, and he refers to them as the four walls of your financial home. These are the four things you got to have. Food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have T-bone steak and a mansion and um, $500 outfits and drive a Maserati. 
food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. As long as you have those four things, then those are the four necessities of life that you, you have to focus on. And by the way, that means you need to focus on these four things first in your budget before you start doing other things. Another problem that a lot of people get into is they have money to provide for these four things, but there are other things that they would like to have, so they spend their money first on those wants, and then they run out of money, and they don't have any to pay for the needs. So you need to be careful that you're making sure that you put needs before wants, and that the four basic needs of life are taken care of before you do anything else. Then another part of your plan needs to be children. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says that anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You've got to realize children cost money, and you need to plan for that in your budget. A savings account. In Genesis chapter 41, verses 28 through 37, is the story of Joseph and the famine in Egypt. When he told the king, uh, Potiphar, when he told the king there, he said, look, I've had a dream. God has shown me there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. So during the seven years of extreme plenty, you need to save a portion of this extra money you're getting because there are going to come some seven, the, the seven years of lean when there's not going to be hardly anything. So you need to save up for those times when the, the cash flow is going to be small. A lot of times what happens is when the cash flow increases, so does the spending. And in essence, what, what God is telling us is, when the cash flow increases, there's a reason why God's allowing it to. So we need to take a portion of that, that extra, and put it away in a savings so that we have it for the hard times. Then giving. In Malachi chapter 3, and verse number 8, the Bible says, Will a mere moral rob God? Yet you rob me, because, and, and you ask, well, how do we rob you, God? In tithes and offerings. I've had a lot of people ask about this, and giving is between you and the Lord. Let me read you this, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will be made. He said, whenever you, you give, give according to your income. Everybody can't give the same. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 7, the Bible says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of of giving. It's important that as a couple you learn to give. Second Corinthians eight verses ten through twelve. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Don't miss that. You give according to your means. For if the willingness is there, I want to give. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God is not going to put pressure on us to give what we do not have. Because ultimately everything we have He gave to us to begin with. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 
verses 6 through 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants you to give because you decide to give and you want to give, not because you're obligated. So somebody asked one time, is it 10%? 15, what should we do? You ought to do what you have decided in your heart to do because you love God. The percentage and the amount are irrelevant. Do what God leads you to do. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 8, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God will take care of you and he'll, take, he'll make sure that everything is done the way you want to. And then finally, set some goals for the future. Make sure that you're planning for the future. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. You know that retirement's coming one day. You'd be wise to start planning for it right now. That's just a quick synopsis of money and marriage. And hopefully you will learn more through Financial Peace University and other training resources so that you will learn how to be a good steward of the material things that God blesses you with. But more importantly, don't ever put material things before God. Thanks for listening to this session of Let's Talk Marriage. For a copy of our study booklet or more information on the entire series, visit our website at www.fycp.org. And may God continue to bless you and your relationship. Have a great week.